When Colin Powell passed away on October 18th from COVID-19 complications, he left behind a long, decorated career in Washington and the U.S. Army. He spent much of his life in the military before rising to the ranks of four-star general and went on to become the first black secretary of state and the head of the Joint Chiefs. But his legacy was also tarnished partially for his role in the building the case for the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Today on GMS Focus, we wanted to examine the legacy he leaves behind, as well as his ties to the Korean Peninsula. For some insight, we're joined by Professor Kim Byung-ju of the Hankook University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So just a week ago, former U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell passed away. Uh, So for those of our listeners who may not have a clear memory, how do we best describe who he was? I would say uh, he's not, uh, he's being talked about all around the world that time is passing, uh, not necessarily because he was like a superhuman, kind of like a big hero figure, rather someone who kind of symbolizes and personifies, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the good time, the, the productive and meaningful time or era that the United States produced and the mm-hmm. uh, talent that country produced. A classic uh, American success story, some might even say. Exactly right. And then, you know, like he's so famous, uh, his, uh, uh, you know, biography himself, he wrote, uh, the title is My American Journey. So mm-hmm. uh, the success story of a person, but also uh, the country produced when, when the country was working well. Mm-hmm. And especially those people who missed the time when that country was working quite all right and much better than now. I think they're looking back and kind of reminiscent about that time. That's why a lot of people are talking about his, his life. But mm-hmm. uh, having said that, of course, uh, you know, uh, in terms of his ethnic uh, identity, he was the first black national security advisor appointed by uh, Pro- President Reagan, mm-hmm. uh, first black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, appointed by George H. Bush, Mm. the father Bush, Mm. and then first black uh, secretary of state appointed by George W. Bush, the Mm. son Bush. Mm. Um, So he has these first black titles um, all over. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, his era itself uh, kind of spans over different phases. He he served in the the military for 35 years, and that includes... That includes his services in the 60s in Vietnam, uh, 70s service. That includes his service here in Korea as well. Mm. And then, uh, you know, towards the end of uh, Cold War, he was the head of the military, and he actually uh, commanded U.S. military force Mm. uh, when the United States was reaching another peak of its power, what I'm saying is the post-Cold War Mm -hmm. uh, time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a new era of U.S. power. Uh, He was the the commander who led uh, the Operation Desert Storm, the first Iraq war, when Iraq forces were driven out of uh, Kuwait, when they invaded uh, Kuwait. Mm. And... uh, uh, after his uh, military service from Vietnam through Korea through, you know, the Middle East and then, you know, running the entire, uh, you know, globe, U.S. forces there, of course, he he became uh, a name that was being talked about 
in the presidential election as a possible uh, presidential candidate. It was a big time. That's the time when his book came out, his uh, My American Journey story came out. It was around mid-1990s. And he was extremely popular at that point, if I remember correctly. And he was considered sort of a leading contender to become, if, if elected, he would have been the first black president of the United States. There was so much buzz around that. Absolutely. Uh, sensational during the na- yeah. mid-1990s. And after that, quite surprisingly, after being talked about as a, such a promising figure for potential candidate, he, he accepted his uh, job offer from <laughs> George W. Bush right. to be the Secretary of State. And he served there for a long time, I think nearly five years. Right, but right. as you mentioned at the beginning of the program, uh, he gave this speech at the United Nations that justified the U.S. invasion of Iraq, and which remained in the memory of many people as as uh, some of the not so positive mem- part of his his long legacy. So mm-hmm. uh, he's a, more than anything, as I said, more than like uh, before being a superhero or anything like that. He was a, he was a person, natural person. He had his mm-hmm. agonies and his uh, decision he had to make whether he run for should run for president or not. He had the decision to make whether he should speak for the U.S. government at the United Nations about the invasion of uh, Iraq or not. Uh, he he struggled and he faltered uh, mm-hmm. facing these important decisions, mm-hmm. and then he carried on his life. So in a way, I see a lot of personal, uh, mm-hmm. human-like side of his, his uh, life there, and I think that's kind of like a what's moving to people, I guess. I think so, because I'm looking at a lot of the headlines. Of course, there's a lot of commemoration in his honor, but he's being dubbed so much, but not a hero, as you've said, but a trailblazer or a pathbreaker, someone who, you know, went through extraordinary lengths to take risks, clearly, I think, not just politically, but in his personal life, too. Right, indeed. You know, there is so much grounds to cover. I mean, just trying to summarize his biography. <laughs> uh, but let's actually revisit his ties to South Korea, particularly. I read that in one of his last interviews with The Washington Post's Bob Woodward. He also downplayed North Korea and Iran once more. And that was very much in line with this, I think, stern tone in the past to right. ignore North Korea's <laughs> missiles, right? Uh, I mean, right. Right. I know we have only so much time on the clock, but from where you stand, right. Professor Kim, what's down? out in uh, Colin Powell's ties to South Korea. Yeah, that last uh, interview you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, signifies or tells us that he's been always interested in Korean affairs and, and he has taken Korea very seriously as an important part of his global perspective here. And and he can say that because his ties with Korea dates back to all the way back to nine, early 1970s, 1973, 74, 75. He actually uh, was in command of a battalion. He was a battalion commander as a lieutenant general, uh, lieutenant colonel mm-hmm. here, and he spent um, a lot of time in Dongducheon area. Mm-hmm. He was uh, commanding a battalion. And, and this was the time when he got uh, familiarized uh, with Korea, became a friend of Korea. Mm. And also in his personal life memory, this is the time, this was an important time for him because this is the occasion where he met his lifetime mentor, General Henry Emerson. Mm. If, uh, you know, people remember Colin Powell as a military commander who was warm, but at the same time, very charismatic, mm. the warm side, caring side, he 
he confessed, comes from the, the, his memory and uh, his learning from his mentor, General Henry Emerson, that mm. he served in Korea. Mm. So uh, in many ways, Korea is an important part of his life, and he always remembers and, and talks about Korea as a country of people who works very, very hard, <laughs> always on mm. time, always on schedule, mm. uh, doing whatever they, they have to undertake, they do it. Korean people, he had a lot of admirations for the Korean people. So uh, in many different ways, uh, you know, he had close ties to, to Korea. And, and of course, uh, he had his own views of North Korea as well. So uh, he has been one of the supporters of Korea and friend of Korea throughout his life. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, Professor Kim, um, after his passing, we did hear speculations on what if he had run for that U.S. presidency in the mid-90s. Uh, what are the speculators saying, and are there any implications for Korea? Yeah, uh, you know, it was quite interesting to hear all these counterfactual speculations mm-hmm. about things that didn't happen, but what if... The thing is, by training social scientists, uh, we have been trained to stay away from counterfactual speculations. But, <laughs> but if, if I have to go along with those uh, analysts who have been writing these columns about right. what if uh, Colin Powell had become the U.S. president, first of all, my own personal view is his possibility of becoming pre- U.S. president, despite all the hopes, yeah. despite all the enthusiasm of the pre- people, I think was pretty low. Mm. Uh, because this was a time 10 years before Obama, actually. Mm, mm, mm. And then Obama's uh, origin is slightly different from uh, Colin Powell. I mean, they're both uh, uh, sons of immigrants. Mm. Uh, Colin Powell's parents from Jamaica, came from Jamaica, and Obama's father came from Kenya. Uh, but the thing is, Obama's mother was, uh, was a white. Mm. Uh, and uh, the, the, in the meantime, uh, you know, Colin Powell, he grew up in Harlem. Mm. And uh, so, uh, in a way, uh, Colin Powell was a lot closer to true American black, which means there was a barrier, uh, a barrier. you know, rejections of the whites. Even so, more so in the 90s than when President Obama was yeah. running for his first term. Yeah, a decade before. A decade yeah. is a long time in yeah. politics. Yeah. And so people could become excited about Obama, but, but Colin Powell, even though so many people wanted him to run for president presidency, but actually in the real run, I have a lot of doubts whether he could really have succeeded. But uh, despite that, if had he had become U.S. president for for uh, Korea to, to begin with, uh, you know, we remember instead of him, uh, you know, there was a president, uh, the George W. Bush, for instance, and mm-hmm. he had a lot of uh, crash or confrontations or difficult relationship with uh, Kim Dae-jung, Korean president, with regard to North Korea, Kim Dae-jung's sunshine policy, mm-hmm. and so on. But but President Colin Powell could be, as mm-hmm. someone who has experience in military as well as diplomacy, uh, could have been much more accommodating mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, Kim Dae-jung's uh, sunshine policy, trying something new, mm-hmm. different, rather than confrontation with North Korea. Now we're looking back, we did what we had to do, and it didn't work out, but at that time, trying sunshine policy could be a lot easier and who knows mm. it might have made certain difference that we don't know but we could have seen something different and most importantly mm. for u.s uh, politics itself mm. remember we had at the time instead of uh, you know colin powell we had second term of uh, clinton and at that time uh, newt gingrich the house speaker mm. uh, republican house speaker mm-hmm. he's the one who 
actually began this very confrontational, polarizing politics. But if Colin Powell had been uh, in the White House as the Republican president, a lot of people are speculating whether this new Gingrich politics could have had begun, mm. which means uh, with uh, President uh, Colin Powell in White House, later on, we may not have had Donald Trump. Mm. We may not have had a polarizing Republican, as polarizing Republican Party. But these are all speculations. But I think it's an interesting mental exercise and in a way, mm. uh, you know, reminiscent kind of a ways of looking back and and missing a uh, great figure, I suppose. You're absolutely right. It is, it, I think, in an attempt to revisit his legacy, we keep coming up with these hypothetical scenarios, but it's also all with the benefit of hindsight. We know so much now than we did before, which is why we can make right. these comparisons. Which right. brings me to my next question. I understand that uh, Colin Powell uh, had a fear that he would be remembered for a single event, his role in leading his country to war in Iraq based on faulty intelligence. Um, again, that is with the benefit of hindsight that we can piece those together. But to this day, it is debated whether he could have or should have done more to object it. Uh, so could you explain the context? Yeah. Uh, on February 5th, 2003, at the UN National General Assembly, mm. uh, you know, the Colin Powell gave a speech there. He said Saddam Hussein has biological weapons. And then he has Saddam Hussein is Currently, at that time, he said, is working on obtaining nuclear weapons capability. And mm. he presented several different evidence saying this is the reason why the world community has to work mm. together towards Saddam Hussein, to stop Saddam Hussein. Uh, this is uh, the multilateralist, internationalist uh, Colin Powell we saw. He was trying to bring in international community uh, in support of the U.S. efforts of upcoming uh, invasion to 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 Iraq. And of course, quickly, within a year or two later on, he later recognized when criticism came out that sources were wrong, mm -hmm. insufficient evidence, and so on. He quickly realized mm -hmm. that, that indeed that was the case. And by 2004, 2005, a year, and then and two years after, he said uh, it was a wrong thing to do. But at that time, I think, uh, in my own personal memory is though the, the whole world is very much concerned, including even Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. I, I, I clearly remember Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, mm -hmm. uh, even Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. mm, uh, these key figures in the Democratic side yeah. opposing George W. Bush, they were very much concerned about uh, Saddam Hussein. So it was the atmosphere, uh, general atmosphere at the time. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, as you, you talked about looking back and then, you know, post the after the facts uh, observations, but looking back, we can say it was a wrong thing to do. But at that time, the overall consensus and, and uh, you know, concerns were serious and possibly, possibly uh, Colin Powell might have spoken based on the limited evidence the, he had, he could gather at that time. And mm -hmm. so I'm not trying to defend it, but mm -hmm. probably he was trying to do his, his uh, best work mm -hmm. uh, given under the given circumstance. There was a human rim limitation, mm -hmm. and he was quickly accepting his flaws and his failures. So I think there's another plus uh, looking back. The right thing to do in terms of professionals, what they have to do, what they face in their career, and professional mm. life, something we can learn uh, mm. together looking back his life. Which brings us to our final question today, Professor Kim. Uh, what kinds of lessons would uh, Colin Powell's life offer for our Korean listeners who are thinking about perhaps even building career in public service or even politics? It seems like there's a lot to take apart there. 
Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, like because of his uh, 2003 UN speech in support mm-hmm. of George W. Bush, uh, raising, uh, supporting the cause of invading Iraq, many people actually, his critics, he has his critics, and, and his critics called him spineless insider, you know, working for only his boss, George W. Bush, and so on. Uh, but I guess to be fair, uh, I'm sure he was organizational man. He had to be loyal to the U.S. government he was working for and all that. But at the same time, we cannot disregard that uh, he probably, probably, well, I was not inside his brain, so I, I can say 100%, <laughs> but, but probably uh, for professionals, his honesty, uh, his efforts to create consensus mm. within the international community and inside his government, mm. his sense of balance altogether. I mm. think that's that's what we have to keep in mind uh, as an example of very successful organizational men who worked up through the, the ladder in the mm. system when, when he was the first black for many, many different uh, positions, but he worked hard at it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it showed at that time the country that he represented, the United States, when mm-hmm. the country was working well, uh, he showed that system he was working for could actually produce uh, someone who was working hard and give him a fair opportunity to a rise opportunity. through the ladders. And I'm not and quite sure what else embraces the past uh, notion of American dream better than that. I mean, we can go on yeah. about just all of his first black accomplishments mm-hmm. for an entire mm-hmm. hour if I had it my way. But unfortunately, <laughs> we do have to end segment somewhere. Thank you very much for rounding things out, well, Professor Kim. It was a thank pleasure. You very much. We'll speak Appreciate to you it. again soon. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.